look, if you're choosing the game over a lady and that game is Stalker 2, we'll talk. Welcome to I'm From the Internet, a podcast about somethingawful.com, the goons, and their consequences. I'm Winslow Dumaine, comedian and illustrator out of Chicago, and I'm sitting here with Jay Bransetter, an internet historian. How you been, Jay? Um, I think the past couple weeks have been pretty wild, but I'm, I'm pretty much back to normal. Uh, eagle-eared listeners might remember in our past couple episodes, I talked about having some big, exciting plans and... Uh, you know, having a crowdfunding thing I was going to launch and all these other things. And it, uh, it turns out I was I was uh, having a manic episode for the first time. <laughs> so that was a really interesting thing to go through. I, I, I kind of understand and relate to some of the people we've talked about in this show more now that I've actually, <laughs> like, experienced it myself. I was like, okay, and now I see why a person might think abandoning their life and going on a walk with no preparation might be might be kind of compelling. <laughs> but thankfully, it's, it's- yeah. We're like episode, what, six, and we've already come, like, as full circle as we possibly can. Like, <laughs> we, we just need to get you a cart. But, <laughs> you know, well, I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that you're feeling better, man. Um, I, I obviously have had uh, my ups and downs in terms of uh, depression and, and uh, I don't know about manic episodes, but I've definitely had, like, very, very grim, depressive snaps. So I'm uh, glad you're glad you're doing better. Yeah, I'm much but, more familiar with that, with the depressed inside of it, too. So that was a, this wasn't right. well equipped for this. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been pretty busy as well. I've had some very late nights recently. I'm putting the, I, well, I just, uh, earlier this morning, put down some of the finishing touches on the very first playable uh, draft. I don't want to call it a beta, uh, but a playable draft of uh, the card game that I've been working on for the past few years. It's a huge, bizarre, like morbid fantasy card game that I designed. I designed a deck of tarot cards that some of you might know about called the Tarot Restless. And with that, I also wrote a short story for every single book. And it's all set during like the last days of an infertility apocalypse. So I have had this idea in my head of like how to turn it into a a playable experience for a while. It started off as a video game, but then some of my other collaborators had other projects to work on so we i decided to just take it over and make it into a card game so i've spent an unbelievable amount of time it's crazy it feels like it it's a very recent project but yeah i have the pdfs lined up here and i'm going to play the first few games myself the game is called the restless and uh, i will be posting up a, a link to offer people uh, like you just sign up your email and i'll let you know when the draft is ready for anybody to go and download and play, then I would just love feedback from everybody. So it's uh, it's got hundreds of items. It's like 20 different characters you can play. There's hundreds of combat encounters and stories and endings. And uh, it's literally all done start to finish by me. I'm hand drawing every single card with pen and ink on paper. I've designed, you know, written every single thing. It's all from my own creative universe. It's the biggest, stupidest, craziest thing I've ever made. And I'm very excited to uh, hopefully be able to share it with people very soon. I'm really hyped for it too. And I know at the end of our episodes, we always, we always promo our discords, but 
you know, that's also where a lot of Winslow's card stuff is. So if that mm-hmm. sounds interesting and you want to learn more about these drafts or just see more of the behind the scenes, it's, you know, always a great place to go to check that out. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be very fun. And if you want to be like first in the know, I'll be posting it on uh, my Instagram, which is at calculations. And I'll also be putting it on Twitter, which is of course at Winslow domain. So It'll all be there. Uh, good news coming uh, on that front, but uh, it sounds like you've got a bit of a grab bag for us today. Yes. Um, because of the past two weeks, I didn't have a chance to finish up the document I've been working on, which is kind of a longer one. And so I figured for this for this recording, so we could have something to go through, I've been assembling a sort of a grab bag where it's just you know posts that maybe aren't enough to be their whole episodes maybe things aren't really sagas just like a funny isolated post but things i still think are worth reading and are still funny or interesting i think also have some good conversation so i just have been kind of collecting those over time and the the one the document i have right now actually kind of accidentally having the theme of being about uh not all of them but it's kind of about goon relationships and dating and sex and uh, well, there was a lot of editorial work I had to do on that to make sure stuff that wasn't a bummer. But there is some real, uh, some real wild stuff in there. And these are all from a collection I found that from 2007 that was on the front page of Something Awful. So this is some vintage goon posting. So um, everything here is from 2007 or earlier. So just to sort of put you in the right headspace. Like, this is like Bush administration posting. Yeah, you know, whenever I think about like vintage Something Awful, it takes me back to like when I was in high school, there was a, I remember seeing a post on 4chan that it was like the original B users versus like the modern ones. And the modern ones were like, you know, the cat boys and like, they're, <laughs> you know, trying to be the savior of the world and all that. And then the original B user was a picture of a, uh, very distressed looking man slouched over with what looks like young girls underwear stretched across his face, very much like a Bane mask with two handguns pointed at his temples. <laughs> and and I was like, ah, yes, that is, uh, that is the B, the B that I remember. <laughs> so it's going to be good to get into, uh, it's not B, but it is still the sister site, uh, to a, to a certain degree. Yeah. And also, especially with this one, with the relationship and dating theme, 2007 it's especially interesting because like you know like online men and dating and masculinity weren't in a very good place back then like that was right before like the pickup artist scene as we know it kind Mm -hmm. of started becoming popular and then from that the manosphere and everything so this is like the rumblings of that and i'm going to talk a little bit about some of that for context as we go through these but this is like just really online usually white men online just kind of all gathering together with no idea what they're doing, just kind of sharing their oversharing their uh, antics with the opposite set. That, you know, uh, before we get into that, I just had this thing I was thinking about earlier today that like, maybe I need to think about it differently, but like every time I read somebody talk about statistics, when it comes to dating, like, you know, you know, 27% of women prefer this kind of man. It's just like, I, I have, I've been dating around my whole life and I, cannot possibly imagine requiring or like looking into statistics on how to like be an expert dater or like pick up artist bullshit. Like when you're dating somebody, it's on an individual level. You're not dating populations, right? And that, that ties into a lot of the pickup artistry and the kind of the manosphere aspects of uh, dating that were the roots 
go back very, very far, but the, yeah, you could definitely hear some rumblings back in 2007 for sure. Especially that specific attitude of like not finding people that you get along with and that would like you, but going specifically, no, I have to have this top tier type of woman that only likes these certain things. I have to you know, completely change right. myself to appeal to what I think I'm supposed to go for instead of just finding the people that like me for who I am. And that is, I think probably in my own relationship advice, that's the best lesson I ever learned. Like, like the joke I always say is that you're somebody's fetish. There's somebody out there that loves everything about you exactly as you are. And it's, you're, it's just a lot easier and more fun and fulfilling to find those people instead of being like having to change yourself. It is very funny to be able to watch how the like kind of the black pilled dating advice guys went from super self-loathing where it's just like nobody will ever want to fuck me because I'm just this lazy piece of shit. Like I'm so utterly garbage to they get exposed to like Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson. And then suddenly they're like, actually no human female is worthy of my pure Aryan seed child. And it's like, how did this happen? I mean, like, I guess it's good that they're not like these suicidal, you know, like downward spiral fucks, but I don't, yeah, it, it, it is a very interesting field of study, but we've, we've gone on. Let's, let's get into these posts. This first one here, a lot of these ones, um, these aren't going to have specific threads or anything. I just have the poster and the text of their post. And this one, uh, I want to read this first one because this is a really classic something awful post. And this is this first part is kind of like goons rationalizing why they don't need relationships, why love isn't real. Or, and, and it's it's very bleak, but very fun. So this poster, Kamani, he's in it talking about relationships. He goes, so you're working out and getting buff. So you are strong to do what? Getting women as if they are objects to do what? Fuck them and forget about it? Some life. Getting women improves their social status among those who high-five people for being, in scare quotes, players. Who gives a damn about being more social amongst those vapid wastes of food and employment? Video games are a great way to have fun <laughs> and enjoy things that are available to you in life. Not only this, but the making of a game is an art form. By playing through, say, an RPG, you are treated to a grand story that is just overwhelmingly more fulfilling than going out, fucking some chick, high-fiving yourself, and calling it a night. <laughs> oh, man. There's, I mean, look, I've played a lot of RPGs, and none of them have honked my horn in real life. You know? Um, God. It, that, that's that's just it's like a little bit of the sour grapes thing in the terms of like uh you know they they obviously were not working out terribly well when it came to ladies and so now they're turning to video games which man it's it's so frustrating that video games are fun they're great it's like a beautiful avenue to tell stories and to explore like uh, a mode of storytelling that we haven't been able to use ever really, you know, prior to video games, most stories were pretty much a one line through, you know, they had the one ending, they had one interpretation or maybe multiple interpretations, but they had like one con consistent line through them, you know, and with, with video games now agency is, is central to how the story is told. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's somehow, 
being occupied by the loudest fucks anybody has ever known. And it's, it's just very frustrating that like such a cool thing is being dominated by these asocial losers, you know? Yeah. Like, Maybe I'm being too mean. I don't know. It's, it just frustrates me that like, like uh, the Gamergate guys have by being so unbelievably toxic made it so that you can't criticize aspects of game culture without seeming like, you know, you're about to send like a pipe bomb to, to a female games journalist. You know what I mean? Female. <laughs> you know, well, woman games journalist, not a female. You know what I mean? <laughs> just getting in character. <laughs> yeah, I'm just very much getting in character. Yeah, big old fucking Blue Lives Matter flag behind me. That's for the. That's for all the viewers who aren't viewing this because it's just me and Jay. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, definitely. I, I think it's because video games are, are like interactive, but they're also like you only they're single player. Like that's the interesting is if you look at like the earliest video games, they were all two player. The idea of a game that you just played by yourself wasn't really a thing. It was you know, like a board game. It was you and another person competing, and now they're. Once right. they became single player, I feel like that's when it became sort of like the realm of lonely men that need like kind of a life substitute. If that's at the risk of sounding a little too mean, I wish there were more single player games. Now every fucking game that's coming out is like shoehorning in some sort of battle royale thing. I just I want to live in a story. I want to show like experience the full breadth of of what somebody's creating and not, you know, have to fight a whole bunch of other teenagers who have been doing this constantly you know that's why i quit playing a lot of the online stuff i was playing um Cervarium, which was a mess and hearthstone uh but it was yeah it was, i just we got tired about of playing people who were like exclusively play to win not play to have a good time you know oh gosh yeah no i, I could go on about that for a long time yeah. i totally get that but that is an awesome post <laughs> it, uh, here if you want to do this one narcissus posted People are saying that his devotion to WoW is a bad thing, but why isn't devotion to a partner just as bad a thing? Do they not take up just as much time? Do they not cost at least as much, if not more, money to maintain? When you fool around in WoW, you use up some time. Maybe get some epics out of it. When you fool around with a girl, you get emotional dependency, sometimes financial dependency, and sometimes a baby. Children are a lasting consequence of relationships. Why is it presumed that this is better than a temporary addiction to WoW, which will end when the servers go down, which could be a lot sooner than 18 years, the time it takes for a child to become an adult? A lot of you are right. He has blown a chance to get married to a girl for a lifetime. He has decided not to devote the rest of his life to one thing, i.e. one relationship with one girl, and instead has chosen to devote his life right now to one thing and has left his future open to other possibilities, which will at that time appeal more than WoW does at the present. Basically, why is a lifetime commitment to a real-life partner preferable on the grounds that it is a better choice in terms of not being shackled to something? Okay, so... <laughs> ah, this is just getting real depressing right out of the gate. You know it's, it's, it's such a complicated thing with these dudes because a lot of the times I've seen in like the gamer stuff... These are the exact people who will argue that you should be able to, like, romance, you know, 13-year-old girls or 17-year-old girls in, like, the RPGs. You want to be able to, like, have your character start a relationship with a 17-year-old. And we're like, a 17-year-old is not a child. And then the minute that it comes to stuff like this of, like, suddenly 18 years old is an adult. Or you ask them about, like, oh, so when when should you be able to vote? And they're like, well, 
you know, there, there's just no consistency with a lot of these dudes. Yeah, no, and then just the bleak, just the bleakness. Yeah, of, of like, of like, you might you're making fun of him for choosing World of Warcraft over a girlfriend, but they're the same thing. They're just, they're both just time sinks you do to entertain yourself. Like this is really not showing a lot of a uh, very good very good attitudes toward women right off the bat. Well, I mean, it, again, it's it's a, like the the sour grapes thing. You know, it's like this aspect of. Uh, of like they they have something that they you know they get something out of like World of Warcraft is fun you know back in the day I used to play that a lot and I had a good time um, I don't remember why exactly I stopped playing but um, it was a fun time and you make friends and some there are people out there with like active guilds that like they have made life friends and of course people have gotten married on WoW but like if you have a woman in your life and you're choosing a game over her I mean <laughs> what's going on. This is fun. I have a two-parter here from a poster called 666. Hell of a name. Yeah, I'm going to read the first one because this is one of my favorite sort of goon quotes from the era at the end. So, in the context of relationships. Realize that falling in love with someone is just the results of a series of generic events that can occur between you and basically anyone who meets your standards of attractiveness. It's just an emotional manifestation of a handful of chemicals bouncing back and forth. It's not the holy grail of living. It's not your reason to exist, and it's definitely not something reserved for that one person. Except that you are just an animal with a big brain that allows him to fret over what only amounts to a game of hormone pool. What you're feeling is not your soul dying a gurgling, ugly death, but withdrawal. All the happy chemicals that saturated your body when you were with him are kicking out cold turkey, and your body is screaming bloody murder. Where are my fucking endorphins? It's just chocolate. Find a new bar. I mean... There are some things in this that are good points. (laughs) It's, It's definitely written in kind of that weird internet macho way, but like... I think that it's very important to have an identity outside of a relationship. And I've been in extremely codependent relationships and very toxic. And I would even say abusive relationships where like, if without that other person there, there was no me, you know, there was no identity. And so having an identity outside of another person and understanding that like this excruciating pain that I was feeling when, when they finally, you know, kicked me out of their life wasn't because like my connection with the universe had suddenly been severed. It was because I was addicted to the way that they made me feel, you know, and that is, you know, that is an aspect of toxic and abusive relationships is that, you know, people always ask, like, why did you stay? Why did you stay? And it's because, well, it wasn't exclusively them, you know, kicking me in the head. It was aspects of it that were like, the single most glittering, perfect, photogenic, movie-like experience of pure love. And then the rest of it was this, like, sickening, queasy, Dutch angle nightmare. And you want to get back to that cocaine feeling of, like, this really intense positivity. And so, like, I, I get a lot of what they're saying. And it is just kind of a very roundabout way of saying, like, You'll get over it. There's plenty more fish in the sea. It is very funny right here that they are talking to somebody who is dating a man. I'm surprised at in 2007, a lady or a gay man would be asking for advice on something awful is all I'm going to say. Yeah, like I am 
like I am thinking like with with it being a person that was dating a man, I am thinking like I don't know the exact context, but if it was the context of like a, a goonette, like a lady goon talking about breaking up, then this being like lecturing like the illogical female about how her feelings are just chemicals. Maybe that's why I remember this being harsher than it used to. But I, I do want to say also a thing too is like since we don't have the context of these handies, we don't know the ages of these people explicitly. Considering the time, a lot of these probably were like younger, like college students. And like when I was that age, I'm sure I was saying things just as embarrassing as a lot of this stuff we're going to be reading in this as well. You know, I just wanted to say, that. and also as an asexual, it is kind of fun reading these because I do relate to some of these because yeah, it's like when you don't have that same that same sort of drive that a lot of people have to do when you're, it's a lot easier to just throw up your hands going, we'll go, well, well obviously this isn't for me. And then later on you realize, no, companionship and other people and friendship are very important things, even if there's not that one particular aspect of it. And I just hope these people got better because these are all old quotes. So, you know, it's been 15 years since, since this collection. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm the, truly the greatest gift that I have ever been given is the fact that uh, the Manson USA forums are expunged from the internet and none of you will ever have to deal with the fucking stupid poetry and the complaining that I did about the, the women that uh, were wasting their time by dating me. <laughs> you know, like I, I hope that I hope everybody in here got better. This is a very old thing, but it is still funny. Yeah, and I'm not, I don't think I'm better than these people. I'm laughing because I've, it's, a, it's an empathetic laugh. I've been there. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, that mortified show where you just kind of go and, and look back at the most embarrassing moments in your life. Uh, and we're just kind of doing it vicariously through other people because we're not brave enough to show it off ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And here's another 666 quote if you want to read that one. <sighs> 666 posted. A species doesn't evolve at all if all it does is sit around holding hands and watching Sex in the City reruns. Women have pretty solid reasons to desire the friendship of males. The suggestion of sex can result in favors such as protection or food. Hell, you might even be able to trick Mr. Caveman 1 into taking care of the kid Mr. Caveman 2 gave you. Men, however, have zero evolutionary reason to desire the friendship of females. Having a female around who will not carry your child simply offers us no benefits. The irony of the situation is that females are originally only interested in friendship with men because men do not want a mere friendship. It is the suggestion of sex that keeps the whole machine going, whether you consciously accept that or not. Okay, so there's a lot of things in this that are like like different compounding levels of sad. One, obviously, you know, fucking elephant in the room is calling women females. Which is just a very silly thing to do. Um, the other thing is that obviously everything about the characterization of men and women in this is is very goofy. We don't need to explain all of that. But I think that a lot of th- one of the things that people don't get out of this is that like when men are trying to explain why men do things or why men behave the way that they do. They have this tendency of like wildly insulting themselves and the men around them uh, in, in a very funny way, because like the idea that men are just like these, you know, monomaniacal fuck machines that can only think of, of sex is a way that you can kind of soothe the part of your brain that's telling you, Hey, maybe you should uh, be doing more 
you know, it, it's like, well, no, no, no. I'm I, like, uh, evolutionarily speaking, I'm a caveman. It's like, well, evolution doesn't happen with one dude. It doesn't happen, you know, necessarily even with 10 dudes. It happens over a vast, you know, geologic time frame. And the idea that like, Women, you know, historically have actually brought more calories to the family through gathering than men did by hunting. You know, like the women offer so much more. And besides, I have so many women friends that have helped me so many different ways in my life. Like I truly live every single day remarking at just how deep and significant and meaningful so many of my relationships with women are and you know hey some of them are sexual some of them are not and the ones that aren't are just as valid and just as meaningful and there's so many people who are deeply fucking lonely because they refuse to be friends with somebody who they think would be wasting their time yeah that transactional view of human relationships yeah right it's very sad because it's like there's so much more to life than just like getting your horn honked and if these dudes had the capacity to like look up and see like the the glory and the majesty of this one life that we have there would be so much more that they could they could extract from their their experience you know but if it, it's it's all this kind of andrew tate brain where it's just like no i must conquer every day it's like no really you just meet people as people treat them as friends and then if anything else happens it happens like just i know i i surround myself in an apartment full of weapons and bones and animals and jars and fucking morbid shit but like the core of my entire life is just be kind you know i've spent so much of my life being a dickhead to people and i just want to be nice and it's these fucking losers. No. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like, oh, no, totally, yeah. And and also, like, just as, like, I think, like, as a glimpse into, like, how heteronormative the forums were at the time. Like, yeah, this, oh, yeah. the idea of it's, it's, like, men and women, women like men, men like women. And th- that idea of, like, you can't be friends with someone that belongs to the gender you want to have sex with is that that's something that only a heterosexual could think. Because it's, like, yeah, if you're, like, pan or bi, it's, like, what, you just can't have friends with anyone? <laughs> Oh, yeah. And and also it's putting sex on such an intense pedestal. It really frustrates me how even now, you know, you can go on Twitter and people will be like, would you trust your man to have a woman as a friend? And it's just like so many people are like, absolutely not. And it's like you are out of your fucking mind. (laughs) Goons in love has already got me so fucking heated. Yeah, no. And I, uh, that does remind me one thing before we move on. I actually had a note here leading into the next one is that like at this period of time, like one of the things that was really big on the forums at the time was evolutionary psychology, or at least like a specific interpretation of evolutionary psychology with these very rigid gender roles and societal roles. And like as a biology person, most of, most of evolutionary psychology isn't real. It's just people like retroactively inventing excuses for why like, you know, heteronormative society is objectively correct. Like, you know, I think one of the funniest ones is saying is they go like women are biologically wired to like the color pink because in nature they gather berries, which are pink when like women <laughs> pink being a color for women hasn't even been a thing for like more than a century. It used to be right. the male color. Like, it's just so funny how it's like they just make stuff up like that. It's very funny. Yeah, I mean, and you could all of that. It sounds like ancient history. It sounds like so stupid, but it also is like that is with a few slight tweaks, that is exactly what Jordan Peterson says. If you know enough like college level, 
words. You can take any dumbass thought in your head and gussy it up and make it something that sounds very, very, very fancy and very, like, studious, you know? So you have that exact fucking thing with people saying, like, yeah, berries, uh, you know, women like pink because of X and Y, or evolutionarily. It's like, all of that, all of that is just postulation. You, there's, there's no way that you can have concrete evidence of any of that. Men like pink because it reminds them of the spray of blood. There you go. Just as much evidence for what I just said as there is for women gathering fucking berries, you know? Yeah, there's a, it's even an emote, an emote on the uh, on the Something Awful forums. The, the emote, it's called Biotruth. Oh, that's what that is? It's a picture of two pink berries and flashing the word Biotruth, making fun of that whole thing. I really... Yeah, Biotruth is also a thing from like a series of fantasy bondage novels called Gore. You have come to a world called Gore. I could probably do a whole episode about the Gorians and, and like the goons discovering Gore because it's it's a very funny bondage lifestyle thing in a fantasy novel with with a bunch of gender stuff in it. I I always thought the Biotruth stuff was like transphobe territory i don't i, mean, I think they've, yeah. they've, they've definitely like co-opted a lot of that in recent years too but i know that that one predates a lot of like modern transphobia that's why it has the pink berries on it specifically refers to that type of uh that type of evolutionary psychology bullshit it's very funny to see how many online voices of feminism were just like women can be whatever we want women don't have to be fucking feminine. Women can be anything that we want. Don't just cover us with pink and bows and shit. That's bullshit. That's sexist. Mind your fucking business. Women are just as valuable in every capacity as men. And then trans people dropped. They were invented in 2018 uh, by Bill Gates. And across the fucking board, all of these like turf accounts are just like, uh, actually, w- women are born pink with bows and, and shiny red slippers. And, like, all of this insanity is just poured out of them. I don't know. I, I could go on for fucking ages no, yeah, about like, that. Whenever Sorry, the calipers on. come out, that's what I'm like, okay, I don't want to deal with these people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing it because of gender or because of race. Once you start measuring, like, the skull shape and, like, filtering widths and stuff, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm just out. <laughs> but... Right, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it gets like it just dives headlong into phrenology without even looking back. Before we move on, one more thing: when we're talking about trans people, like a lot of former goons wound up being trans themselves. So that is mm-hmm. kind of interesting lens to view some of these through. Like maybe the reason why some of these people had such a poor view of men is because like they were struggling with their own gender identity and they're projecting their own frustrations with the gender that they were assigned at birth onto this. Like, I mean, uh, that's just an idea that came to me, but it's an interesting idea to think about. one i did mention about the um you know that another one this 2007 this is when people were falling for this stuff but they were also there were goons that were smart enough to recognize that this was bullshit and they were making fun of them and that's why some of the reasons why these quotes were saved 
And in addition to, you know, the bio truth, there was also stuff like uh, ladder theory, which was basically the thing about how, like, if a girl thinks she's your friend, she'll never want to date you. And then neuro-linguistic programming was a big one, which if you have any familiarity with, with pickup artistry or some sort of like some sorts of like business leadership pseudoscience, it's the idea that you can basically use certain magic words to like program people's brains and control them without them realizing it. I've also played Bioshock. I'm very familiar. I'm going to read this one by a poster, An Unknown Goon, and this is them describing their neuro-linguistic programming regiment. Okay. You've already had intercourse with the girl. The ideal setting for the power of the door, which is a power and control pattern, is right after you've had intercourse and you're in bed with the girl, and at this time, hopefully, you've set up the fact that you're also the man of her dreams and fulfill her emotional needs. You're fooling around in bed. You've already had a great time, and you go, sweetheart, what's that over there? And you point towards the door. And she'll say, well, you know, that's a door, silly. And you say, yeah, you know, I'm a real positive person, but... I mean, can you imagine, I mean, you don't know what can happen from day to day. When you think about it in your mind, I mean, what would happen if I walked out that door and the door closed and as the door closed, it slammed shut. And no matter what you did, you could not open the door and you knew that you would never be able to look into my eyes again and you'd never be able to hear my voice again and you'd never be able to feel my touch again. Okay, right here is where she starts going. I don't like this door business at all. And at this time, you just reassure her, okay, all right, sweetheart, you're right. You really shouldn't think about the door, and you really don't have to think about the door. So you go back to playing around with her some more. Have some more fun with her. Break her to another orgasm or whatever and say, you know, (laughs) or whatever, you know. And you say, you know, a terrible thing happened the other day. My friend was hit by a truck. I mean, it was awful. By the time they got him to hospital, he was dead. I can't believe it, you know. It's almost as if it would be a horrible thing, you know, when you think about, point towards the door, that no matter, (laughs) even if you were to get that door open and you were to search, that you could never find me again. Then she starts freaking out. You calibrate more on that part of, you will never be able to see me again. You'll never be able to hear my voice again. This is a long one, so we could take a break here halfway through, but... (sighs) Okay, so this is already... I'm I'm getting Silent Hill 4 vibes. Um, (laughs) But... I wonder how many of these people were either narcissists or just some sort of schizophrenic because like when you write out the way that they're talking about people or to people, it just seems so utterly divorced from reality. You know, like that is a very funny thing about the Internet is like a lot of people aren't very good at like writing naturalistic dialogue. So whenever they try and like write hypotheticals or like they recreate, recite something that happened to them, it's this really kludgy way of talking. But I really love the image of this guy just like having pillow talk, doing like an Andrew Ryan monologue, then, you know, making making her come very quickly. And it's going back to. So, yeah, anyways, the door. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. Just yeah. using his mind reprogramming skills. Here we go. So, oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is a long one, but it's worth it. So, you'll never be able, all that fun we had together, all those great times we had together, walking along the beach, hand in hand in the moonlight, we would never be able to do those things again. And even if you were to find that door, you would search and you could never find. 
And she's at the point where she's saying, no, no, I hate this door. Let's stop the door now. Are you trying to upset me? Is, is the door in you the room with us right now? <laughs> and you say, oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I'm just saying these are things that are popping into my mind, okay? So play around some more. Get her good and nice and hot again. Fool around. Have a good time with her. Joke. And then get back into the door and say, you know, God, still, you know, about life's tragedies. I mean, I just keep on thinking how... At this point, you can already see that this is starting to make her feel uncomfortable. You want to create that sense in her that you can walk out and she'll feel terrible for the rest of her life. You want to anchor that response. I'll get up and she'll say, well, what are you doing? And I'll say, I'm going to the bathroom. I go up to the bathroom door and slam it. That right there will freak her out. Then I'll open the door and say, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I'm just playing with this door again. You know, you really shouldn't think about this door now. And you really don't want to think about this door now. Like... (laughs) Just all the door stuff. It's so good. What's frustrating, I mean, outside of all of this being psychotic, and I I also truly do not believe in my heart that this person ever actually did any of this or, or actually said any of these things. I think that they, this exactly sounds like somebody who just kind of fumbles the bag again and again and again and never actually got the girl into the bed so he could go on these series of fucking monologues. But what really gets me about this is that it is, like, as explicit an abuse and manipulation as you could possibly get. And you you have, like, the two kind of responses to that when, when you have guys that are actually, like, really into this kind of thing. And one of them is just, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. When it's, like, you know, it's, like, Andrew Tate is on record, like, has there's voice clips of him saying like specifically like um like explaining how he raped people or like explaining the exact crime that he did and there's still like Andrew Tate stands that are just like no that doesn't count no he was uh, he was joking he was just uh, he was just joking and it's like no he fucking wasn't and you know that he wasn't you know and so when you get to these kinds of things I don't know what the response is. Uh, if if someone's going to say like that, that's not actually abuse or that it is and it's good. There's people in like the Star Wars fandom that are like, no, actually, uh, the Sith, uh, those are the good guys. Those are actually the good guys because they just want to have order to the galaxy. And then you know, the Jedi are actually the bad guys. And you'll go, well, you know that the Sith are like a pretty explicitly based on the Nazis. And they're like, well... You might be surprised, but I think that the Nazis were the good guys. You know, like, <laughs> you have that exact kind of thing here. Either they're fully for it and they know what it is, or they refuse to acknowledge it, or they, or the kind of the the little devil's duo of the two, where they know what it is and they're they're really for it, and then they refuse to acknowledge it on bad faith grounds. You know, yeah. Because all of this is like as explicitly psychological manipulation as you can get. Like, just be honest with people and be kind, you fucking lunatics. Yeah, and also (laughs) I'm thinking like the type of person that would be into this, like, you know, they would be furious if they thought a woman was trying to manipulate them or was like acting in ways to get them to feel or act certain ways. But them doing it when they do the dentist system from Always Sunny, they're just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is just 
normal and, and but good. Also, before one more thing is the the feel I get from reading this is someone who's whose knowledge of sex comes entirely from porn because they're talking about this and the way that they're just like, oh yeah, making the person come. That's just like a thing that just happens very easily. The actual act of sex and pleasing each other gets like half a sentence, but then this this giant monologue about trading her to associate doors with you leaving her so she'll be afraid of you leaving yeah i mean this is again this is exactly what andrew tate talked about was just like this is how he had gave people like a step-by-step process of how he made women dependent on him so that he could use them and there are unfortunately now there's hundreds of thousands if not millions of teenage boys who are like all right sounds cool it's it's kind of like the the anarchist cookbook being immediately downloadable for anyone in the 90s Obviously, not every kid is going to go out and do that. But if you have like specific abilities and like specific recipes on how to manipulate people or to make pipe bombs, there's going to be people who who do that. You know, case in point, Columbine. It's just gross that this is the world that we're living in. And I don't know. I don't have any solutions and I don't know what to do about it. But it is. uh, It sucks. It does. (laughs) Yeah. No, the Andrew Tate stuff is really upsetting because, like, I used to think of myself as someone who was relatively in touch with, like, what was popular with younger people, like, because of being a Uh teacher and working in schools and stuff. And then this Andrew Tate thing for me going, like, I never heard of this guy until, like, he got arrested. And I'm like, oh, wait, this guy is, like, one of the most popular people on the Internet and, like, every teenage boy idolizes him. Okay, that's scary. (laughs) I have a whole thing about it because I think that Andrew Tate saying crazy things to get people mad knowing that the people that he gets mad are just going to offer him free advertising. That's exactly what Marilyn Manson did. That's exactly what Lady Gaga was doing and Madonna. And like, it goes back and on and on and on. It's just, it's just shock radio. It's Howard Stern. It's, it's Rush Limbaugh. It's people who are mastering the attention economy and he's done it extraordinarily well. He's evil and all that. Yes, sure. But he's also like figured it out. In an, in an incredibly effective way. Yeah, he's, 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 he does have these very specific skills that are very good at boosting his message. And, you know, as as a huge dork, is malarkist, where, like, my two favorite words are, um, actually, it's really right. changed It's really changed my attitude. It, and not him just specifically, but over the past couple of years, it's really changed my attitude on things like debunking. Because it's like, yeah, when you, like, explain why something is bad or wrong, ultimately, it's like, it's, it's just, it's still spreading the message of it. Like... Uh, there's like a YouTuber I really like named Captain Disillusion, who's like a special uh-huh. effects guy who explains how they work. And he recently says like he doesn't do debunking videos anymore because they'll get tons of views, but then the fake things just keep circulating, and then it doesn't actually change anything. If anything, it just makes more people want to post it because they're aware of it. And I, like you said, I don't know the answer to it. It's just we're all just adapting in our own way, which is why I'm I'm glad with what we've been doing with the show. I feel like we're still kind of you know pointing and laughing at some bad stuff, but we're doing it in a way that's constructive and not just signal boosting. And, and plus, it's all old, so it's not like we're you know I'm sure, I'm sure these people are still around, but I feel like I'm not platforming or signal boosting anybody mean, like meaningful with these types of posts. And there's just one more paragraph left on this one, so we'll get through that. Um, so. Having anchored that sense of loss and pain to the door, you can trigger it whenever needed. Whatever negative behavior may come up that you want to stop, the first time you just get up and slam the door. Whether you walk out the door depends on the level of bullshit. On later occasions, you can just indicate the door in some manner. The example Alex gives, if he's talking on the phone and getting any crap from her, and he knows the relation of where the door is to her desk, he says, Sweetheart, could you please turn right and look at what's over there? And that was the end of the bullshit. So... 
the ultimate thing is, is if you're mad at someone, slam the door. That is, they found a way to intellectualize slamming the door because you're bad or going out for a walk. Like, what if a, a four-year-old was actually a macho man? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, because all of that is the exact same fucking thing. You know, it wasn't in this one, but I do want to mention this. Isn't a something awful thing? But one of my favorite neurolinguistic programming bullshit things from this era. It was a whole post where the guy would say words like hard, and then he would then in the text the description would say points to schlong. So his whole thing was just pointing at his dick while saying whenever he said the word hard to try and get them to associate his dick with being hard. And just the word points to schlong is one of those things that will just immediately crack me up whenever <laughs> I think about it. Points to Schlong, just, 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 which, which sounds yeah. like points to Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's four yeah. points to Schlong. Let's follow up that rambling act of human programming with a fun one. Sulzanti posted, Here's my ideal scenario. Me. I just bought Baldur's Gate 2 for the PS2. Wonderfully cute girl. Great. It's two players. Mind if I play? Me. Sure. Girl. Can I sit there while we play? Points to my Dilsnick. Yes. Yes, you can. And then we live happily ever after. I don't, look, man, there's not a whole lot to say about this one. I Women play video games. I don't know what to say. I, but also calling your own dick Dilsnik is... Maybe that's like a Central European thing, but that's that's a little fucking weird. Oh, God, yeah. Dilsnik, I feel like that's like one of those like late 2000s thing when doing like... Fake AAVE, where people like, like, right. yeah, just Dilsnick is such a very funny internet term from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had like such lo- lovely experiences, you know, like me and, uh, me and the lady playing Stardew Valley and all that, or like whatever other game that we have. Um, right now, I mean, it's not two player, but I'm playing Noida. And that's, that's just so much game. fun to like, yeah, to just like check in on how somebody else is doing and like things that they've learned. It's just like, you know, you're you're going on an adventure together. It's it's no different than like you're two people reading a book at the same time, and you're like, so what do you think about that? That's pretty crazy, right? You know, it's like there's there's a, there's a lot of fun to be having here. It's just not with the not with these dudes. Yeah, like it, ever since I hit my 30s and I stopped playing video games as much, the time I played the most video games was when I was in a relationship because then right. it's not just like an activity. It's like a thing you do together and it is very constructive. Mm-hmm. But this picture of just like my ideal scenario is like is like a sex toy that will play video games with me. <laughs> right, exactly. So this one from Buying Bid. This is another good short one. So the context for this one is they had multiple paragraphs of posts talking about how they had a very large order at Subway and it got judgmental looks from the cute girl at the register and they were really embarrassed about that. So they ended up by going, I'm looking to start learning how to build a goal-oriented sandwich that shows that I have class and taste. I am tired of my dining <laughs> habits preventing me from picking up the ladies, capitalized ladies. For instance, what is a good kind of bread to start with, and what meat looks the best on it? Any help is appreciated. Thanks. <laughs> a goal-oriented sandwich is no notes. Big fan. That Big is, fan of whatever the fuck that is. Yeah, we, we <laughs> have to add that to the uh, I'm from the internet glossary. Goal-oriented sandwich is such a yes. good that's 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 where yeah. we should start selling t-shirts at that goal-oriented sandwich the i don't know i think if you want to impress a lady with your subway order it's the fact that you're not eating at fucking subway yeah no. yeah <laughs> yeah just like just like roadkill meat you know god 
Yeah, no. If you if you want to impress her, be like, oh, Subway bread that you know that has more sugar than cake in it, because then you know that you show that you know a lot of stuff about about um about food. I will stand by the Subway cookies. They are soft and light and uh, and lovely. So no hate, hate for everything else that Subway does, but their cookies are good. Yeah, and and also just a small cooking thing is if you if you like the toasted subs from Subway, they just use a convection oven. If you have an air fryer, you can do that in your own home to your food and have. Those warm, crispy sandwiches that we all know. There you go. At least one constructive piece of advice from this this horrible dating thing. The detector posted, I have some weird brain things, and I'm a bit of a pack rat. This sort of helps to explain some of my motivations, I think. A few years ago, I read a post on something awful describing someone keeping their semen in a water bottle. I don't remember the exact circumstances surrounding this somewhat disgusting hobby slash collection, but I was sort of intrigued. I wondered how long it would take with my regular schedule to fill up a water bottle with my semen. It wasn't really a sex thing to me. I was just curious as to how long it would take to fill up. I kept it hidden deep under my bed and surrounded by shoeboxes, magazines, and anything else disposable I could find. I only brought it out when I uh, relieved myself. Now, I'd say me and my girlfriend have been dating for a little over a year when she decided to move in. She was having some trouble at the time, so I felt the least I could do was to accommodate her. At this point, the bottle was probably halfway full and had a strange smell to it. But I didn't worry too much because she wasn't sleeping in my bedroom, and even if she went in there, it would be incredibly hard to find unless you were looking for something. And therein lay the one fatal flaw that ruined everything. Apparently, she lost something and went into my room while I was visiting my grandmother. She got pretty far under my bed and found my little experiment. Then I got home and she had this completely ludicrous look of disgust on her face and started yelling, what the hell is this? God, if this is what I think it is. I was incredibly embarrassed, but I knew if I was going to come out of the situation cool, I had to act as if I was more offended than her. I knew I had to act that she was the one in the wrong, which she pretty much was. I lunged at her and screamed with a sort of combination of, what the hell is wrong with you? Is it that big of a deal? Who gave you the right to go through my property? Chill out, bitch. She threw the bottle down, it cracked, and she just sort of stormed out of my house like that was the end. It's been a day and she won't stop calling me. I know she probably wants to break up, but I'm also certain that I can fix this. I mean... There's obviously nothing going to work out in the long term, but I can't leave this relationship without banging her at least once. So I have to ask you, goons, how you think I can fix this. Obviously, this seems sort of weird, and you might think I acted somewhat childish, but I didn't do anything wrong. I gave her a house. I gave her food. I gave her love. Ignore all the strangeness that seems upsetting out of context, and look at this from my perspective. I'm actually posting this from a fellow goon's house who's asked to remain anonymous because I'm afraid she's going to show up at my place before I get a strategy figured out. This whole situation is utterly ridiculous. Yeah, for some reason, there's like a whole subgenre of posts on something awful at 4chan stuff about dudes being weird about collecting their semen or like doing weird like stuff with their semen. So this is like something awful kind of being ahead of the curve. Like ye- like years before the pony cum jar happened, here's a guy with his water bottle full of cum that like he had to hide from his girlfriend. Oh, I mean, there's so many things in this of just like. Just, uh, fuck, where do we even start? Like, uh, you see somebody collecting their cum in a bottle, 
And your first thought is not just, all right, don't hang out with Eddie anymore. Like your, your first thought is interesting. I wonder what I could do with that. It's, it's so <laughs> freaky that this person is able to have a relationship, right? You would, you would hope that this would be the kind of person that just kind of mutters at a bus stop. But, um, the, the fact that he didn't just do like the simple mathematical thing of just like, all right, figure out how many milliliters of cum I produce in the average shot and then multiply. There you go. Or divide rather like see how many shots it would take to fill up, uh, you know, fill up a bottle problem fucking solved. You don't have to keep your cum bottle under your bed. And the, the vacillation between, uh, what I did was gross and disgusting, uh, to it wasn't really that bad to actually, it was really her fault. And then finally at the end of just like, I, I, this might seem upsetting out of context, but you know, think about it from my perspective, right? Like all of that is just the emotional maturity of just like a wind sock. Just, there's nothing going on in this man, but shortly after Easter, many, many years ago, God, who knows how long ago this was on uh, the Manson USA forums. Uh, somebody posted that they had been collecting their cum in the bunny-shaped tray that came with a chocolate Easter bunny, and they posted a picture of it, and it was like a yellowy, you know, it's it was like if you just made a bunny out of, like, old wood glue, <laughs> you know? Like this, this collecting dark orange gelatinous, uh, you know, there's like striations in the age, depending on what the guy was eating. And he said, uh, so this is the cum bunny. I, uh, once it's full, I'm going to let it harden, and I will send it to any user who promises to post a video of them eating the cum bunny. <laughs> and it was, it was quite a notable thread because <laughs> the, the implicit reward of that is that you got to receive it, but the requirements of that reward are that you had to then eat it. And tragically, uh, as with everything else on that website, uh, we lost the photos of the cum bunny. But cum bunny is burned into my memory forever. That it, when, when people talk about, like, cum slut or, like, daddy's little kitten or any of that, you know, stuff, I'm, I've heard cum bunny thrown around for, like, uh, some cum fetish stuff. I don't think about a gal or somebody with a with a fetish for ejaculate. I think about that post that has been lost to history of a man making an Easter cum bunny and then offering all of the, the Marilyn Manson fans of the internet the one chance that they would have to eat a rabbit of cum. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 one of the most like burned into my memory threads um, from that whole website. I guess, uh, I guess to share like a funny internet cum story of my own. One of my favorite, um, <laughs> one of my favorite, Go on. <laughs> one of my favorite uh, bits from the F plus, which is a podcast where they read weird, weird internet stuff is they were talking to someone who had like, uh, they want, they had like a semen fetish. And the thing was that they, was that they, when they were horny, they wanted to drink cum, but then whenever they, 
finished, they weren't horny anymore. They didn't want to drink cum. And it was like this existential thing of like, it's like, I want, I want cum, but I don't have any. And then I have cum and I don't, I don't want it anymore. And it's just like, just this very kind of like simple frustration that was like very funny, but also like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, the Greeks have a story of Tantalus who uh, was thirsty and he was standing in, in waist high water. But every time he bent down to drink, the water receded and he was kept from him. But he was hungry as well. And there was a branch with an apple leaning over him. And every time he reached up, the branch raised out of his out of his grasp and he didn't get a chance. And so that's where we get the word tantalizing. Uh, but I think that uh, we could also find a new term to add to our dialogue uh, from the guy that wants to eat cum so long as he does not have the cum to eat. <laughs> <laughs> This is from Poster uh, Negritude. This is this is another funny sub thing is like goons having like trying to cover up awkward moments on dates uh-huh, or uh-huh. when they're having sex or whatever. He goes, uh, she turns to me and says, hi, I managed to get out a hey, but it was extremely high pitched as my voice cracked at the most perfect moment. Not thinking, I tried to cover it up by making DJ scratching noises as if I purposely made my response that high pitched. My friend quickly averted her attention and I walked into my class. There was a. Uh a legendary fucking post. I don't know what it was from, but it was just like talking about a guy that has like all of the, the dialogue and the things that he was going to say to women when he's like, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm confident this time. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to actually talk to the girls. I'm not going to chicken out. And then uh, a woman says something to him and then he moves to talk, but his voice uh, cracks because he hasn't spoken aloud for three days. <laughs> and I think that's so fucking funny. Just like, ah! <laughs> The beauty of life, I think, and this is a, a truly something that I, I think about, like a lot of different lived experiences. The moment that you can open up your mind and your heart to the beauty of negativity and the beauty of failure and discomfort and crumbling and and rot and decay, all of those things that we are told to ignore and avoid, those are gross, those are disgusting, those are the bad things, you don't want to talk about that, you don't want to acknowledge them. Your whole world blossoms into this infinite new world of, of like, it's like a whole counter cosmos of interesting things. You know, like, if you can find the joy in your own failure, you're going to have a much more joyous life. That's what I think. And I, I look back at some of my own failures and I'm like, man, that sucked. <laughs> that sucked in a way that I really now enjoy. <laughs> yeah, and I really love this because, like, your voice cracking when you say hi to someone is such, like, a, a human and relatable experience. Like, I feel like like anybody who saw you do that, would they wouldn't be like, what a freak. They'd just be like, oh, that, that. If, especially if you played it off, we're just like, oh, sorry about that. But to try and be like, actually, I meant to do this. And I'm and just be like make it trying to make it like you're DJing or something. That is, yeah. that, is that is that is the definition of overcomplicating a very simple solution. <laughs> like you could have just like laughed at it and been like, oh, let me try that again or something. And like I have no game at all, and even I can just play off something like that. Yeah, because once you're not afraid of failure, once you just see failure as an opportunity for like more goofs and stuff, then it's it's great. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. You need to learn how to roll with the punches if you're ever going to date anybody. You got to find somebody that's worth embarrassing yourself in front of. Yeah, okay. We had a fun one. Now let's have a really dark one. Okay. Condiment posted... God, that name feels different now that we've been talking about eating a cum bunny. Okay. (laughs) Condiment posted... I've been considering asking my girlfriend to stop taking birth control altogether as the hormonal contraceptives seem to seriously destabilize her mood. We would probably resort to a cocktail of the rhythm method, preventative, and terminations, reactive. But before suggesting this, I would like some hard facts on the physiological effects of terminations. Will the four to six week pregnancy preceding termination have any long term psychological effects? Will multiple abortions have any effect on her ability to bear children in the future? Ideally, I could get a non-hormonal Rysug injection and skip this whole conundrum, but it isn't a perfect world, so we have to make do with what's available to us. Oh, okay. I, you know, there, uh, some of these are just dark. Yeah. <laughs> They're just bad. Uh... I don't know, man. Like, I've, I, I do a lot of fucking, and I ain't getting anybody pregnant. <laughs> like, it, I like that his whole thing is like, I'm gonna have my girlfriend have multiple consecutive abortions, but condoms make me uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah, hormonal contraceptives are making her mood unstable. So I want to repeatedly knock her up and then terminate the pregnancy. Surely that will yeah. be much more stable and pleasant for for both I, of them. I didn't know Doctor Mengala had a fucking something awful account. <laughs> Good lord! All of these, it's the fact that they're going to the goons is always like an extra part of it. Like, like ideally, that'd be something you'd bring up to your partner. But still, like, all right, goons, here's what I'm going to try and convince my girlfriend to do. Give me some pointers here. Right, right. Jesus Christ. Okay, here's one I'll do. This is from poster soag.242. No, I've seen lots of porn with Asians, and they seem to have pretty normal VJs. They look hairier than normal a bit, though, because the hair is black. I'm not fake posting. I'm honestly curious. I think Japanese women are really beautiful because they don't seem to be so capitalized corpulent and capitalized flabby as white women are, which I guess comes from living in a Western society, uh, smirky face. To the guy who's making who's taking me seriously, are Japanese women fairly aggressive in pursuing men? I.e., if they see someone they like, will they actively try and seduce them? The Orientalism at play in oh, this yeah. era. This was this was like the height of like the Japanese girlfriend. You know, I want to go to Japan because all the women there are submissive and love anime, and they think us white guys are super cool. Type of othering that was even at the time was very uncomfortable, and especially now that we have some distance, we know we've seen how that can go south very very quickly. There are a, a disturbing number of men who have gotten. A, a vast amount of their sexual education from porn and like their expectations from porn. There, there's, I, I don't know her name, but there's a trans lady on TikTok who will like just debate transphobes and it's just like excoriating these dudes. And it's very, very interesting. And one of them was just like talking to this guy and she's like well so if a woman has bigger boobs does that mean that she makes more milk and the guy's like yeah of course and she's like do you have any evidence of that because obviously it's not if you have bigger boobs you have more fat reserves or whatever um and it has nothing to do with like more milk production but like all of this stuff all of men's understanding of of not all of men but you know what i mean but there are a good number of men who like 
have based their entire identities off of porn. And so that's why you there are so many men that like they have a perfectly average body and they are just losing their mind with self-hatred because they don't look, you know, like the carb low carb goons, they don't look like Hugh Jackman and they're looking at like the top 0.1% of like absolutely massively hung dudes on porno and they're like why am I not like that and they lose their fucking mind you know, with, with self-hatred and in the exact same way, you know, when you have nothing but flat bodied, uh, like, like swimsuit models as the only women that are getting put on the covers of magazines and stuff like that. There are so many women that, uh, absolutely hate their perfectly normal bodies for not being the 0.1% of, of, of human bodies. These are the the kinds of guys that would meet an Asian woman, take her to the bedroom, and then be stunned that she's not censored. You know, because yeah. like, they <laughs> yeah, base the, their where's entire the mosaic? identity. Yeah, where's the mosaic? <laughs> look, I think that going after a particular race specifically to be your bride or to be your partner is like, no, I just want a, you know, I just want a Japanese girlfriend. I just want an Asian girlfriend, and it's just like I. Don't know if I think that you're going to have a, a very healthy understanding and, and really look at her as a human being. If you're looking at her as what her race brings to you first, you know? Yeah. And I'm also, sure that there's, there's like cultural things where it's like, well, I just want to date somebody who's like familiar with my culture. And it's like, yes, if it's your culture, I could understand that. But I don't, I don't know, man. There's, there's a lot, a lot of things to unpack in that. There is, yeah. and I do, I do like how like he complains about women being fat because of Western mm-hmm. society, while being a product of Western society. <laughs> like the whole like, well, Western society is cool for me, but it doesn't make the, the babes hot enough. That's my one critique with it. Okay, okay, here we go. Uh, you can do this one since I made you do a real, uh, real, real yikes one last time. Things have been going pretty well with me and the ex. We still talk every now and again, and. As we both built up a fuck ton of resentment before we ended things, we're not really missing each other's exclusive company. However, last week I sent off a drunk Facebook message, which made her a little upset. And knowing that I've got more shit to deal with in the next while, I wanted to know in the back of my mind that we're cool. So I apologize and we talk on MSN and I tell her I made a video collage of the pictures of us that I had on the computer and I asked her to click the link. However, instead of showing her a collage, I rickrolled her and I've been pretty much in an amazing mood ever since. I'm glad that she dumped him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I know that that's just a part of like meme culture is like, sending the same thing to somebody a million times but like i'm so fucking glad we're out of the rickroll age of the internet of just like or also like the shock site where you just like send somebody like tub girl or some shit where you just you know send somebody some vile shit to ruin their day because i like there were so many of them that were like beyond just like body horror it would just be like dogs getting we don't you know i don't need to say it but like it's just such a nightmare and uh this guy's a dickhead yeah, no, it's just such, that's like I think one of the most like one of the most like debilitating things I ever had said to be in a relationship with someone was like, "Can you please stop sending memes and just talk to me?" And I was like, "Oh, geez, I fucked up." Like that, yeah. is, that is like that is what that guy did. Except he thinks he's the victor in this situation. Like, I guess if you really want to make your ex never want to talk to you again, that's a great way to do that. And 
again, this is this is in this is late two thousand seven when this compilation was made. So Rickrolling was kind of old at this point, I think. This is a long one. I'm I'm going to skip, but this is about a poster called Two Worlds that we're going to talk about in the future. He might even get his own episode because Two Worlds is kind of an infamously like guy who is both very bad at women and also very bad at about oversharing things. And also, <laughs> and also he like, he like, he went to goon con once and went to, they went to a strip club and there was all this stuff about him, just collection of all the weird things he was saying. And his story has a very, uh, I'm not going to say anymore because yeah, I think I might do an episode about two worlds. I think he could right. carry one because he's a fascinating Got, figure. There's a, a comedian. I, I, I don't think he's in Chicago anymore. I don't know where he moved. He might've moved to New York. Uh, Steve Gerard, who, if you ever get a chance to go to one of his shows, it's so fucking good. He's just an expert at crafting these long meandering stories where he is clearly an idiot. And he's like, just trying to relate to you. Just like, so just like a totally normal guy. And, uh, Jesus Christ. Some of my favorite things are when like, where somebody's trying to tell you a story in an empathetic way, they want you to relate to them. And you're just like, Oh no, you right out of the gate. I don't want to relate to you at all because this is, you're, you're not relatable. (laughs) Steve Gerard, very, very funny man. (laughs) And this is the last relationship based one. I have a couple after this, if you want to keep going, that aren't relationship based, but I thought this was kind of a fun ending one for, for reasons you'll see. And I want to read this one. So this is from a poster named shadow cat boy. Uh, He posts, (laughs) I've, (laughs) I've racked my brain now and again trying to think of genuine ethical reasons to ban sexuality in childhood, but in all honesty, I couldn't think up with any real reasons. As the OP mentions, it seems like the trauma of experiencing sex as a kid is more of a cultural thing instead of a more objective psychological thing. Doesn't mean it's fine and dandy, though, since culture is a relevant factor in ethics, I'd say. On a long enough timeline, every goon conversation eventually leads to somebody talking about pedophilia or accusing someone of being a pedophile. So I knew that was gonna, that came up, but Shadow Cat Boy is a really interesting figure and in something awful. Because, again, this post is from 2007. This was posted on the front page of Something Awful. This post about him defending sexually abusing children was immortalized. He wasn't banned until 2018, and he was an active member the entire time. So for 11 years after this... And he is like a pretty infamously scuzzy dude. Like, and like he, the thing that got him banned, just to kind of pull it all together, the thing that got him banned, his ban reason, April 3rd, 18, uh, 2018, Shadow Cat Boy, gross, creepy, furry. And it's from him posting a picture of a G rated uh, Chinese mobile game character and talking about wanting to cosplay as them. So, again, with my kind of running gag about how something awful always, like, is always like way angry at furries and things they should be mad about. Uh, passionately defending sex with children. Eh. Talking about furries. Get out of here, you freak. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm all right. Um, I think that uh, I'm much more appreciative of all of the uh, mature adult relationships I have in my life. I'm just watching you scroll through this long list of of just awful things that goons have done with their lives. And I just see the words like vaginas are like a box of chocolates. And 
you know, (laughs) like, look, I, I am not like God's gift to women. I've been a dick in the past. I've been very, like, I've been an immature guy in the past. Absolutely. Um, I've, I'm just, I was never like this, I don't think. Uh, And I'm just very glad that, uh, we can look back on this and go like, Jesus Christ, it, things could be so much worse, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't posting on the internet when I was a teenager. Cause yeah, I could totally see like, luckily at my worst, I was never like this. I think I was, when I was a teenager in high school, I was very much like into the whole nice guy thing, which, which is uh-huh. bullshit of course, but I could definitely see myself making like some weepy post about like how people don't appreciate how nice I am or whatever. When in reality, it's just like, I'm just being a creep and like interacting with people under false pretenses. That's not good. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, Lord knows, I was a fucking sad man on the internet, and I grew up, you know, uh, in in the earlier days of the internet. So I got to, I got to, you know, encapsulate and and uh, upload a lot of my uh, most pathetic moments. But I feel really bad for the kids of today that have so much more of their lives that are being recorded and documented and made permanent i'm so fortunate that like some of my cringiest stuff has been expunged from the internet and there are tons of people for whom that is not the case i think that you know privacy is is a right and i think that people should be able to fumble around and and learn about themselves and learn about how to how to interact with people they should be able to do that when they're young and figure themselves out and hopefully grow i feel bad that so much of this is made permanent you know but yeah. like, you know we're not it's not like we're using anybody's real names so besides shadow cat boy sounds like he's a creep anyway so i'm not too worried about that one yeah and i will say like about the whole it being preserved too that was a thing i did want to bring up is like because this one was kind of put together on short notice a lot of these are from on the front page of something awful this was a thing they used to do they used to post collections of like weird posts or like highlights of the forums or whatever and that's something that they haven't done for a while. Like, I think if you go to the front page right now, like the, the article on it, there's literally like a GIF of like a construction worker sign that says like under construction. And then there's an article from like 2020. And then like that, it looks like it, it doesn't look very good. But this is like, this is kind of like something that I wish the site still did because yeah, these are interesting resources. Like this was very useful for us, but also this is such like historically just a glimpse into this specific time and place online. Like it's a really good you know, historical uh, article. I mean, not article of, what am I thinking? Not relic. Uh, some Time capsule. Yeah, it's a time capsule. Yeah. And, you know, it's sad to think that, like, you know, this could go away one day, like, if they just decide to take the front page offline or renovate it. So that's why one of the reasons right. I'm kind of glad we're preserving this. But really, I guess my, my kind of thing looking over this is it's just, like, so many of these people just seem so miserable being single, and they think that, like, finding someone else will fix all their problems. And like you mentioned, like, that's not a healthy way to engage with relationships. And a lot of times that's a great way to ruin a relationship when you're in it, is to, is to put it, think that the other person is, like, so, supposed to solve all your problems. You're putting a lot of expectation on it instead of just being, like, you're a person I like can get along with. Let's, you know, let's spend time together. Right, exactly. Let's just focus more on... Um... You focus on you. I want you to to never give up on your dreams. Give your dreams your the fullest uh, amount of your attention. And when you're not doing that, then maybe you'll have time for me. Because I'm I moved to Chicago to do art and to do comedy, and like that's what I'm here to do. And if you move to Chicago to pursue your dreams, I want you to fully do your dreams and don't 
hinge your life around me, you know? Exactly. And so, yeah. And I guess also as someone who like, you know, from, I didn't really date for most of my twenties just cause I was, you know, figuring my stuff out. I think like my, I guess my advice from, from speaking from like this sort of perspective of these people is like learning to like love yourself and, you know, you know, fix your own shit and get your things to get your life together is way more. It's the best that you can do for like relationships, but also it's just the best that you could do for you because yeah, like when you take better care of yourself, when you are like a happier, more interesting, more complete person, who is able to take care of themselves, you're more interesting. Like, like, you know, it's so much more easier to have people be interested in you or want to strike up a conversation when you do things that are like interesting or creative or when you have these talents or when you belong to groups, when you've developed a personality and, you know, found your type of things in the world that, that drive you, it just makes it easier for people to like you. And that's, I guess that's my takeaway. That's a little roundaway, but just, yeah, love yourself and then it'll be easier for other people to love you. And we love you at IFTI pod. So thank you for listening. And if you want any more of us, uh, there's obviously uh, Jay Branstetter has the crazy ass moments and something awful history account on Twitter, as well as his own account. Um, you can follow us at IFTI pod uh, on Twitter and uh, you can follow me at at Winslow Dumaine on Twitter. And I'm also on Instagram as uh, at calculations we also have a supplemental account called uh, Uncle Picture, which is uh, tweeting out one random picture from my hard drive every hour on the hour. So uh, stick around for that. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming out of that, too. And I still extend the offer to anyone who DMs me on Twitter saying they want to see a weird thing in my apartment. I will show you a weird thing if you want to see it. I have an entire crazy-ass little curio museum that I've put together over the years. And the uh, last thing I do want to say is if any of you are interested in my card game, it's called The Restless. Uh, you can go to any of my, my social media accounts and you can check out the website. You can also go to the Discord. Everything is link in bio. You can find it there. I'm literally, when do I do this? I'm going to take a shower and going to go to FedEx and print out the very first playable version that I'm going to play with a friend, few friends. And then I will be opening that up to anyone to play uh, for free. You just download, you print it out yourself, uh, you cut up the cards, and then you can play test and tell me how you feel about it. And while you're doing that, I will be drawing all 600 fucking cards by hand. So uh, do me a favor, give us a follow everywhere, and uh, check out the card game. It is uh, the biggest thing I've ever made, and I would uh, love your love your help on it. Thanks for tuning in, and until next week, uh, make sure you make a goal-oriented sandwich for your cum bunny. I'm from the Internet is created by Jay Brandstetter and Winslow Domain. Edited by Steve Brown. Music by Steve Isbrook. There's so much more to life than just getting your horn honked and and getting wet and all that. That's okay. Let me let me rephrase that. <laughs>